Hello, and welcome to Humanities Matter, brought to you by Brill. I'm Lee Chung Greco, and this week we'll be looking at key issues in the field of humanities. Today we're speaking with Marcin Wojcinski. He's editor-in-chief of the European Journal of Jewish Studies. He's a professor of Jewish history and literature at the University of Wrocław, Poland, and a special field of interest is the social history of Jews in Eastern Europe, especially history of Hasidism. And we're speaking with Katja Schmid. She's also an editor of the European Journal of Jewish Studies and a distinguished researcher in Sephardic studies at the Spanish National Research Council in Madrid. Her fields of expertise are Ladino language and literature with a special focus on Judeo-Spanish rabbinic writings, Ottoman Sephardic women, and the Jewish Balkan Cultural Agency. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. So first of all, tell us, what does the European Journal of Jewish Studies cover? This is a journal uh, that was arranged between Brill and the European Association of Jewish Studies. And the main incentive for this journal is to give the venue for scholars working in Europe and on European Jewish history and culture and literature, the place where we could share ideas and we could publish our scholarship. So essentially, we are covering anything that falls in the area of, of research of any students of Jewish studies done in Europe or anything about European Jewry done wherever in the world. This is essentially the area of our journal. And tell us a little bit, what's the new vision for this journal? Well, first of all, I need to say that I like the old vision very much. So uh, the new vision is not that we are trying to change anything because uh, we dislike the journal as it was. It, I think it was a huge achievement of the previous team, what they managed to do, especially in the last years with special uh, the special collections, uh, special issues on Kabbalah and dissemination and several other uh, thematic fossey. It was excellent journal already, and we are very proud to take it over at this stage in 2022, because we we are not trying to change it, but rather to develop it in several directions that we believe might bring more life to this and might become even more relevant for European Jewish studies. First of all, we want to develop areas that are now at the center of development of the humanities globally. And we think they should be better visible in what we are doing. And the most important area of this kind is digital humanities. We decided that in every issue we'll have a section on the digital humanities, at least one article, maybe an article and a forum or an article and review essay, or just report on a new digital humanities projects. Uh, so this is one important uh, change we are trying to do. Together with this, we are trying to strengthen the review section, as this is the main area where we can exchange ideas, where, where we can see what's new, what is interesting, what requires new debates. So a review section, I mean in a very broad sense, because we expect to have here both very traditional reviews of three, four pages of, of a regular review, but even more so, we are inviting people 
to submit review essays on wider phenomena that are changing our field, that is the date. And also we're inviting people for forum of several scholars discussing certain issues. Um, we are in process of formulating the areas for the coming issues. And uh, so far, so good, I would say. Uh, we have several ideas that I think we'll, we'll talk to the biggest concerns of where we are in European Jewish studies, such as uh, methodological changes, like response to Marxism, which is still relevant, but also political changes that are happening. What is happening with Jewish studies in the neo-authoritarian states of Eastern uh, Europe? What is the influence of current politics on Jewish studies in Europe and globally? What is the relation between those issues? So these are area for our fora incoming issues. And together with this, we are very um, happy uh, to develop already existing idea of having thematic sections in this journal, which uh, might better expose what are the cutting edge areas at which Jewish studies are developing in last years. Uh, this is, I think Katia will say much more about it, but the coming issue will be devoted to Balkan Jews. So this is a beautiful example. So maybe this is of the most important changes that we are trying to uh, introduce. So before I go ahead and ask about, you know, why this shift toward digital humanities, can you first tell me a little bit, what do the digital humanities include exactly? Oh, yeah, that's, that's important because for, for many people, digital humanities means that they write their papers uh, with a word editor. And this is not digital humanities yet, obviously. Digital humanities covers a lot of things that are happening today. And I believe that there is not a scholar today who would not use an aspect of digital humanities because it covers anything from digital access. And this is, for example, about accessing sources, publications, uh, secondary literature online with digital resources through digital analysis of the material up to digital publishing. So anything within those three broadest areas is digital humanities. Obviously, the easiest one is just to access sources, uh, books, periodicals, uh, archival materials that are digitized and made available online. And this is very obvious and intuitive for all of us. With all the concerns that come with this about, you know, overprivileging sources that are digitized over those that might be more important, but they are not, and uh, issues of uh, how to build your uh, corpus of materials for analysis. This is something that is happening already. This is changing our, all the field of the humanities tremendously. Also, digital publishing is increasingly important. And for most of us, it is uh, uh, fully understandable. Maybe the most important thing what is changing now is this middle section, which is digital processing of the data and digital analysis. This is about using variety of corpus analysis, for example, text mining, about network analysis, about huge area of spatial turn in the humanities, which are finally looking on aspects of space as reflected in text and other resources. So we have huge uh, GIS, geographical information systems uh, available now for, for people in the humanities to see what mapping brings to the field. This is also my personal experience with my historical atlas of Hasidism, which changed entirely my own understanding of the subject matter that I was studying for 30 years or more than 30 years. 
after mapping this extensive material, I realized I knew so little about it. Uh, so this is digital humanities in, in general. Um, and it's important to discuss and to debate what are advantages and disadvantages and what, what are the concerns, threats that digital humanities bring to the scholarship because we are there. There is no way out. Digital humanities will inform the development of the humanities for the coming generation or generations. And we need to make the wise use of this, simply put. That's really interesting um, on that GIS mapping piece. I'm wondering if you can just elaborate on that a little bit, how that gave you an advantage in your work. Uh, well, it's not exactly about the journal, it's about something that I published elsewhere, but I'm always happy to talk about Hasidism and my uh, mapping. Uh, Hasidism is an ecstatic mystical movement in Judaism, maybe the most important socio-religious movement in modern Jewry that informed much of what we understand as traditional Judaism today, and it's very often perceived as something that is territorial, meaning that, you know, the Hasidim, the, the, the followers of the Hasidic movement, they don't live in space, they, they live in time, they are the, the, the merry mystics living outside of the specific space uh, uh, constraints. And my analysis proved, to my big surprise, that it's not only economical or social conditions of life of the mystical movement that are strongly informed by space, by how they are interacted, but it is also spirituality of Hasidism that is conditioned by the space. Maybe the most obvious of those, but also still very revealing to me, was the overlap of the map of the railroads in Eastern Europe mid-17th century, sorry, mid-19th century, and the map of the followers, followers of individual tzaddik that, that I managed to map. with 7,000 followers who came to a specific place, and I was able to see how this is related, how the followers of one mystical leader are dispersed in, 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 in territories, not only you know, the closer, the more of them, but also how it is dispersed along the railroads, how it is dispersed along other uh, phenomena. So this is essentially digital one aspect of digital humanities, the spatial turn, which is so important for the humanities. And as I say, it's affecting all areas of scholarship. And I understand your upcoming issues on Balkan Jewry. Um, can you give us a bit of a preview of that? With pleasure, Lee. Um, inspired by impressive recent special issues carried out by the previous editorial team, already mentioned by Marcin, Professor Miriam Reiner, and me are working on the next special thematic section entitled Crossing Borders, Identity, Gender, and Memory in Southeastern European Jewish Milieu to appear in spring 2023. It will focus on Jewish history and culture in the Balkans, indeed, an understudied area in both Jewish and European studies. It is curious because although this fascinating multi-ethnic and religious region is located at the crossroads of the Mediterranean, Central and Eastern European world, once part of the Austro-Hungarian and Ottoman empires, and including Ashkenazim and Sephardim, it hasn't really received sufficient scholarly attention so far. So the special issue will contain six articles written by two senior scholars and four emerging scholars from mostly European university and research centers, revealing unknown material tied to the 
questions of multi-layered identities in literature and a little bit in visual art. So there are two articles dealing with Sephardic literary legacy. Jelko Jovanovic examines Judeo-Spanish or Ladino proverbs from Bosnia, their compilers and approaches, while Jelka Oparnica discusses the cases of Isaac Samokovlia and Jacques Confino, two established Sephardic writers from the Balkans of the first half of the 20th century, who wrote their literary opus entirely in Serbo-Croatian, a non-Jewish language spoken in the region. Olga Ungar presents four forgotten cultural workers of Ashkenazic origin from Vojvodina, another region whose lives and careers were cut short by the Holocaust and sheds light on different aspects of Jewish fine arts, literature, charitable work, and scholarship. Magdalena Koch deals with gender and memory in the autobiography of Paulina Lebel Albala, an unknown but fascinating Serbian Jewish writer, and the biographic works about her husband, David Albala, a Yugoslav Sephardic diplomat, active in the first half of the 20th century and a key figure in the Jewish community of Belgrade, the Zionist movement in Yugoslavia, the Balkans, and beyond. Katarzyna Tadzinska shares with us unspoken histories, the experiences of Yugoslav Jewish women during the Second World War and the Shoah, examining fictional, paraliterary, and documentary works written by Jewish women such as Hilda Deitch, Elvira Kohn, Lea Abinun, and Jenny Lebel. Last but not least, the culture and creativity during the Holocaust are further explored in the article by Krinka Vidakovic-Petro, who exposes the entirely forgotten literary work of Hinko Gottlieb, a prolific writer, translator, and Kulturträger active at the Kraljevica camp for Jewish refugees. The issue will also include reviews of two recent books dealing with Jewish art, literatures, and cultures in Southeastern Europe, so we really hope to provide a refreshing perspective to our readers. I believe that thematic sections might both present the strengths of European Jewish studies and foster research in areas where new initiatives are still needed. So we encourage also our colleagues in the field of European Jewish studies to consider thematic sections and discuss these ideas with us. If I could throw in a, a small information, what I admire about this thematic section that Katya is preparing with Miriam Reiner is that it is amazingly pan-European. It is showing what is happening in European Jewish studies, namely it's transnational both thematically covering different countries of the Balkan Jewry, but also pan-European in the sense of authors coming from so many different areas and so many different disciplinary and, and national tradition, academic traditions. This is really strength of these thematic issues, and we and we very much hope for other such sections. Um, and Katya, I think you mentioned that uh, some of those sections, there's not a lot of scholarship on them. Uh, and I'm curious why that is. Is that, as you mentioned, uh, some of those authors or some of that work um, was 
cut short because of the Holocaust or uh, were there other reasons why uh, scholars have not been able to dig into this? Yes, exactly. There are several historical reasons, also the geographical uh, position of the Balkans. And actually, it's true that lately, in the recent decades, this field is like opening up because we have more access to the archives and to the unpublished um, documents. And it is also connected to the languages, because as we can see from these contributions, uh, these authors, Jewish authors, were using all kinds of uh, different Jewish and non-Jewish languages. That means Slavic languages, German, Hungarian, Yiddish, Ladino, and some parts. So this is also uh, a question which sometimes can difficult, difficult to be difficult to research these topics. So we hope that this is improving and that we are getting better in introducing these materials to, to the public. And lastly, what's the difference between special issues and special collections? So, in addition to special issues, just commented, giving more visibility to new trends in Jewish studies, we had an idea to publish freely available special collections of past European Journal of Jewish Studies articles on selected topics, which were best represented in the past issues of the journal. So the first such collection on Yiddish language, culture, and heritage already appeared in an online edition in February this year and was available for three months. The next special collection will be on Ladino language, literature, and culture and will include some fascinating articles that will be posted online soon. Um, we are really most grateful that Brill enthusiastically embraced this initiative to make the highlights of the past AJJ issues freely available to a wider circle of readers. We have old readers, we have newer readers, so I, we think this is very important. And we hope that this will really help draw attention to the most interesting past research trends and provide like an incentive to the further development of these research areas we mentioned. That's Katya Schmid and Marcin Rojinski. They are both editors of the European Journal of Jewish Studies. Thank you again to you both. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. You are listening to the Humanities Matter podcast. You can find more podcast episodes on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast.